Welcome to the No More Risk Better Accredit Sites podcast. I'm Winnie Caesar, the Global Head of Strategy. And I'm Zach Griffiths, the Credit Sites Senior Investment Grade Strategist. As strategists, we aim to make sense of the macro and the micro, highlighting opportunities and the risks facing the fixed income markets. As important as the macro call may be, we understand that credit investing at its core comes down to keen single name selection, and we at Credit Sites benefit from the expertise of our team of over 100 analysts across the US, Europe, and Asia. This podcast offers a look at the conversations that we have with our analysts on a regular basis. If you are an investment professional focused on the wide universe of fixed income, you'll want to give this podcast a listen. Hello and welcome back to the Credit Sites No More Risk Better podcast. I'm your host, Zach Griffiths. Joining me today is our head of transportation and aerospace and defense, Matt Woodruff. Matt, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Zach. Good to be here. And with that intro, I'm sure you could guess that we are with Matt to talk about Boeing and the recent incident with the Alaska Airlines flight, get his take on what it means for Boeing's financials and for the bonds going forward. He's been working fervently to cover this over the past couple of days. We're recording this on January 11th. I think everyone listening has probably heard the news, but if not, if you've been living under a rock, Matt, can you just get us up to speed real quick? What, what happened? What plane are we talking about that had the issue? Get us up to speed with, with a quick 60 seconds or so here. Absolutely. Just real quickly, on Friday, uh, an Alaska Air 737 MAX 9 hit 16,000 feet as it was ascending, and everyone on board heard a loud bang and a huge rush of air as the cabin depressurized. Uh, There was a door plug that was installed in a doorway that was unused on this particular aircraft that burst out of the plane. Just for those of us that aren't as familiar with aviation physics and how that works, air wants to rush out of a plane. So the physics around the plane is every is revolves around keeping the air in that plane. In this case, when the door comes out, the pressure for the air is pushing out. The door plug went out and thankfully there was no deaths. There was no serious injuries as a result. And really that was because there was no one that was seated right next to this door plug. However, the incident was extremely terrifying, I'm sure, for all the passengers on board. There's a lot of social media out there as to the immediate fallout from that. Uh, very, very tough incident for those on board. Could have been a lot worse Could have if someone was seated there. Also could have been in a higher altitude. And if it was a higher altitude, there would have been a lot more pressure uh, of air pushing outward, uh, which could have been a much worse result. We're all very thankful that there wasn't a a worse result there. And so, Matt, we're talking about the MAX 9 aircraft, and that family of planes have had a troubled past, to say the least. Can you kind of take us through what other issues I guess Bowen was hoping to get on the other side of, and this now delays that whole narrative, but take us through some of the other issues that Bowen has dealt with recently. Sure. So the Max 9 one is the smaller or sorry, the larger version uh, of the Max 737 MAX family of aircraft. And the 737 MAX is really the latest, and it's going to be the last version of Boeing 737 narrowbody family. So the 737 narrowbody is the plane that is most prevalent that Boeing makes. It's really their their cash cow. Uh, They make more of these than anything else. They've been making versions of these since really since the 1960s, this thing was, was developed. So it's been out there in one form or another for a very long time. Their most recent version was developed in the the early 2010s. And at that time, they decided to, rather than making a completely different new 
narrowbody aircraft, they decided to add just new engines. What was available from CFM, which is a JV between GE and Safran that makes engines. They had a new engine available. They put these on the MAX. And rather than creating a new airplane, they really just tried to modify what they had already in the 737NG. Unfortunately, that had a slew of issues as a result. And there was there was two crashes. There was two crashes in 2018 and 2019. The first one was with Lion Air. Uh, the second one was with Ethiopian. There was over 350 lives lost on these crashes. Uh, and it turned out that there was uh, a single point of failure issue that Boeing and the FAA realized uh, after the fact. There was MCAS uh, software basically is a software that caused the plane to push down. Naturally, the physics of the plane were such that it wanted to push up. This software pushed the, the nose of the plane down. And unfortunately, uh, in both, the, both of these cases, pushed it down uh, without the pilots being able to control it at all. So pushed it down all the way down to the ground. Both aircraft crashed. So in the fallout from this, the 737 MAX was grounded for almost two years, really from, I think it was March of 2019, all the way to the end of 2020, as you know, the FAA uh, was investigating what happened and, and Boeing was as well. The fixes that they worked on at that point really revolved around MCAS and were mostly software-related fixes for the most part. So almost two years, they were really working on software-type stuff. At the end of 2020, uh, this uh, aircraft was recertified and started to be redelivered again. And unfortunately, uh, there's been a sling of a swing of new quality issues that have come up. Uh, and so 2023 was a year of numerous quality issues that came up. Supplier Spirit Aerosystems had a series of, of quality gaffes. And there's been, you know, small, relatively small incidents that have come up as well. Alarming to you and I to hear about, you know, loose bolts and the rudder system that, that came up just a week ago. And then, of course, this, you know, most recent, recent issue, uh, which is unique to the MAX 9. So it's been a long period of quality issues that Boeing has been dealing with throughout this MAX family. Just when, well, just, I say just, but really it's been you know, five and a half years of, of dealing with quality issues with this aircraft. Boeing really wanted to get to a point where they were producing at least 50 of these per month. They've had a hard time even getting to 30 per month, you know, almost six years after after these crashes. So it's been a struggle for them uh, to work through these quality issues. And and this, you know, most recent issue at Alaska just kind of indicates that we're, we're not quite done yet. Yeah, it's really tough to hear. And, and the crash is obviously awful outcomes and hard to kind of put that all into perspective, but bringing it back to sort of how we think about this current issue and framing up Boeing's current financial position and how they got to where they are outside of some of these issues we've had with specific aircraft. We had COVID, obviously, from 2020, and, and COVID is still going on, but the, the lockdowns obviously have subsided. How did that impact Boeing, and how does that kind of factor into the current situation, especially given the most recent challenges? COVID was a huge deal. It, unfortunately, it hit Boeing uh, at exactly the, the wrong time. The maxes were already grounded at that point. And in 2019, when the maxes were originally grounded, Boeing didn't know how long they would be grounded for, but they didn't certainly didn't foresee almost two years of grounding. And so what they did at that time is they continued to build aircraft. They built up inventory. And of course, 
when you're when you're building inventory and you're not delivering, it becomes very expensive very fast. However, at that time, the rest of their business was doing okay. They were kind of generating cash on some of their other aircraft that that they manufacture, and the defense side, you know, was doing reasonably well at that point as well. Unfortunately, you know, then COVID hit and the demand for aircraft went to zero, and so they were dealing with a situation where you know, they were overbuilding on all of their aircraft types. And so they took down their production levels immediately. But at the same time, they had to support, you know, both their customers and the suppliers uh, in the industry. And I remember, you know, it was, it was just very distinct memory in my, in my mind. We, we were all stuck, of course, uh, after COVID hit, working from home in March 2020. And then you had Dave Calhoun, CEO of Boeing, really going on TV and just asking for asking the government at that time for $60 billion cash to not only save Boeing, but also save the US airline industry. So it was just very, very dramatic indeed. At that point, ultimately, Boeing really didn't take any direct cash uh, from the US. Of course, interest rates were much different place at that time, much, much lower. In a much lower interest rate environment, you can have significant spread on it and still have a reasonable overall borrowing cost. And so what Boeing ended up doing is they came to the bond market for like $25 billion initial deal. So borrowed a ton from the bond market. Ultimately, over a two-year period, they added like $50 billion of debt to their balance sheet. They went from an A-rated credit uh, to triple B minus at Fitch and S&P and then BAA2 at Moody's. So pretty significant move. They were able to stabilize, I would say, their operations post-2020 and 2021. They were getting to the point, actually, by the second quarter of this year, uh, they were actually generating some decent cash. Uh, on an LTM basis, by the second quarter of this year, they may, they were generating almost $8 billion in cash. And they were on their way to paying down some of that debt through actual cash flow, as opposed to to using their their excess cash that they had on hand. You know, things were looking on the up and up for them. And certainly coming into the year, this is probably one of the more overpitched uh, credits out there. It just that and the thought was this year is going to be the year where they're finally going to have some excess cash on hand. You know, they're finally going to be able to do some tenders. And this is a pitch that has been going on for three years. I'm guilty of pitching it way, way too early. But yet again, uh, you know, for the, I'd say the third year in a row, maybe that pitch will not work out just because of some of the operational issues that they're coming into today. Well, I think that's a great way to frame up how you're thinking about the cost to Boeing going forward. You kind of went through some of the high level debt metrics. I know there's a big maturity wall coming up in the very near term. So do you see this issue being a liquidity issue? And if so, take us through that. If not, what are the longer run costs? How do you think Boeing can navigate that? And then we, of course, want to get to the nuts and bolts of how you think this impacts the bonds going forward. Obviously, we've already seen a move given it's been a couple of days since the incident and the market's been able to, to digest. But I guess let's start with the financials and then take us through kind of your recommendations and how you're thinking about where things will go from here. By November of this year, I mentioned that Boeing ran into some quality issues, which kind of constrained uh, cash flow and deliveries earlier in the year. By November, they had gotten their act together and November and December came in pretty decent. So as a result of that, we think they're going to be able to generate like at least a billion and a half of cash in the fourth quarter. And that should bring their overall cash balance to about 15 billion by the end of the year. Um, so ending the year with around 15 billion of cash, they need about 10 billion. 10 billion has been the stated number that they've used for a few years now, as far as minimum cash that they want to keep on hand. You know, 15 billion on hand, that 
takes care of all their maturities in, in 2024. 2024 maturities total about $5 billion, And that's very much front, front and loaded. They have about $4 billion maturing in just a matter of weeks here, just three weeks. So assuming that's all correct, they'll be pretty close to their minimum cash balance level. I don't view it as a significant uh, liquidity issue at this point just given the fact that my expectation for the company is still one of cash generation over the course of the year. If there is a dip in liquidity uh, is from, from a cash standpoint below that $10 billion minimum, they do have a number of credit facilities on hand. It's $10 billion in the aggregate. If that amount of course, you know that would not be good for credit. Just to be very clear, no one's expecting them to to draw on their credit facilities, and I'm not either. But it is there uh, if they need to use it over the course of the year. They should start to generate cash again, uh, and I think you know my expectation for them coming into the year was that they were probably going to guide to uh, free cash flow this year on the order of four to six billion. So I've li- I've lined up various costs to try to think, just thinking through the costs that are, they're they're going to. You know, affect them as a result of of what's going on with this Alaska Air and, and Max Nine grounding, and and there's a few of them. None of them appear all that big to me, though. Uh, you know, first thing to note is just the Max Nine is just not that big in terms of an installed base or in terms of you know the backlog that they've got on it. So the installed base of Max Nine is right now is about 220 aircraft, of which about only 170 are impacted by this. So only about 170 uh, have this plug installed. So when you look at that, like it's it's really not that many aircraft that Boeing would have to potentially compensate their customers for, for, for lack of airtime. So when this sort of thing happens, Boeing is on the, the hook to, to compensate customers for lack of airtime availability uh, for these aircraft. It's probably on the order of, you know, a billion and a half per, or sorry, a billion, a million and a half per day. So even if we start getting into, you know, a month long, a three month long situation, it's really not going to be a huge drag on free cash flow just from the customer compensation issue. What could end up being, you know, the by far the predominant impact is just the impact on deliveries. And it's it's hard to say exactly what that's going to be at this early time because we don't really know how this is going to impact Boeing's operations. One thing is clear that the Renton factory where these 737 Maxes are being built is just absolute chaos right now as as Boeing is doing all the required inspections and all the work that the NTSB is asking them to do. So that's extremely disruptive in terms of, you know, what what they uh are able to do. So certainly, you know, to start off the year here, there's not going to be a lot of deliveries. And, and you know, we, we took a look just today and there's been only one 737 MAX that's been delivered so far. And that goes throughout, like including the MAX 8s, which is the predominant, you know, version of the aircraft. So they're not delivering a lot of these things right now. Definitely the free cash flow that, that we expect at this point is is going to be kind of back, back in loaded. And we'll just have to see how long this ends up uh, disrupting their operations. But if we kind of just just take a swag at like at what the potential impact could be, if we look at, you know, around 30 uh, deliveries, if we just kind of assume that would be the base case, we think that would be about a billion dollar drag on free cash flow. Uh, so if they're, you know, we're expected to do four to six uh, prior to this, um, you know, a little bit of customer compensation is somewhat of a rounding error uh, to that four to six. Uh, and then, you know, maybe the billion brings it to a, a three to five for the year sort of thing with a back end loaded impact to it. So that's kind of how we're thinking about it. Uh, effectively, what I think that means for credit and for bondholders is that, L- that LME that we 
thought could potentially happen. It just doesn't look like there's going to be access, you know, liquidity at this company to, to make that happen in, in 2024. Unfortunately, as I was mentioning earlier, there's a lot that can happen here. Of course, the potential DOJ investigation related to Boeing had previously uh, settled with the DOJ on the MAX crashes in 2018, 2019. Unfortunately, that agreement ended just days before this Alaska Air incident. And so it's likely that the DOJ shows up. We know that the FAA has started an investigation in addition to the NTSB investigation. So there's also reputational damage, which is somewhat hard to quantify you know, in terms of impact on free cash flow. I think overall, what I'd say about that is the public tends to forgive and forget about these things over time, but it, it does take time. So you know, overall, what we're thinking about is at this point, prob- likely three to five billion of free cash flow for the year. Liquidity is going to get towards, I would say, pretty close to the minimum type cash level in the first quarter here, but should continue to improve and set up the company to pay down their the maturities next year once again. The maturities next year is about four. For uh, a little over four billion, four point three billion. So that's kind of how we're thinking about the financials. As far as you know, trades and and how we're thinking about relative value at this point. You know, so Boeing has moved about thirteen basis points wider in the aggregate uh, after this incident, and that's was really you know spot on with our expectations. It's moved wider on the front end for the reasons that I already mentioned in terms of the anticipation of potential LME. The back end is about uh, ten basis points wider, so that's exactly what we kind of expected coming into this, and that compares to a market move, you know, about two basis points tighter for triple Bs broadly. We really want to see this investigation uh, unfold and and see what comes out of this before we get too excited about, you know, a, a mere 13 basis points wider move. You know, it's not that I think that the move is wrong. It's more that uh, when you start trying to find problems, typically, you, you know, you, you do find problems when investigations start. So we want to let, we want to see that play out somewhat before we get too excited about it. Just like before, it's the long end. If you start thinking about long-term investing and, you know, a three-year time frame and that sort of thing. Just like before, the long end uh, does have some longer term opportunity. It's probably just a little bit too early in our view. For Spirit Air Systems, the supplier that is high yield rated, they had just recently uh, done a second lien uh, refinancing that had done really, really well. And we were actually bowled up on that credit around that refinancing and, and shortly after. Uh, we moved off our outperform on that credit to a market perform view there. Uh, and we're still there. Their bonds are down only about a point. Uh, I think the market is thinking that the impact for them is going to be benign, just like just like we do. It is a credit, though, that if we do get negative news flow uh, around something that they did, you know, maybe they didn't ship a bolt, maybe they didn't target quite right, that sort of thing, uh, we would be buyers of Spirit Aerosystems bonds, uh, just because ultimately, we do think it's a Boeing issue. It's Boeing's responsibility to inspect these aircraft as they leave their factory uh, and the FAAs as well. Spirit has a history of quality problems. This is not new that they would have a quality issue. And historically, uh, Boeing does uh, forgive these. And so last year was probably the biggest deal that they've ever done between the two companies. Spirit, or sorry, Boeing actually forgave almost a billion dollars of, of liabilities related to the manufacturing issues that I mentioned earlier for 2023. So it wouldn't be unusual for something like that to happen again. And that's that's how we think things would go down if, in fact, you know, the spotlight returns to uh, Spirit Air Systems, the supplier. That's all very helpful, Matt. And so it's interesting. It seems like, you know, definitely want to 
take the opportunity to give you your props. It was a great call and kind of that initial move. We've seen spreads widen kind of in line with what you'd expect. It hasn't been enough, at least at this point in the investigation to say, you know, time to go outperform. There's going to be more to come out of these investigations. Perhaps there's higher risk that there are other issues that will need to be addressed. And so again, we're recording on January 11th. These investigations are ongoing. Is there any scenario where there's a huge flip in at least the perception of blame that would cause kind of a secondary market reaction at the conclusion of those investigations? Or has the impact kind of happened? And and even if there was a shift in blame, potential for financial or market consequences are probably limited. Just take us through your thinking on that. I don't think we're going to get a huge amount of upside to the credit uh, under virtually any scenario, but, but one that could be extremely helpful, you know, from a perception standpoint. Again, like I'm not sure spreads would move all that much. Uh, they'd probably just retrace the move that they've had so far, uh, which is only 13 basis points for Boeing, so not a huge move. But if it somehow came out that Alaska is part of their normal operations of this aircraft was doing something that they shouldn't have, this is not something that I anticipate as being a likely result. But if Alaska had had been doing something, and if you know some loose bolts were actually also found on on United aircraft as well, in addition to, and loose, by the way, I should define that term because loose means different things to different people. So loose in an airspace context means under torqued by, it could be, to quote Calhoun, it could be as little as one millimeter. So it could be a very, very low amount of under torque on the bolt would be considered a loose. If it turns out that's that what they've found so far has something to do with, you know, the operations of the aircraft in a way that there's something that the customers were doing. Uh, I think that would be the biggest upside. Other than that, I think we're going to, we're going to stay right here, you know, in the near term and kind of wait, wait and see how the, how this investigation goes. There's definitely a potential downside scenario that I can think of. And that could be, well, what if these loose bolts are appearing as a result of a design flaw? We don't think that is particularly likely. A very similar door plug was installed on the previous version of the 737. There was a 737-900ER, which is a version of the 737-NG, previous version of Boeing's narrow body aircraft. And that has almost five or over 500 examples out there, um, you know, with this plug in it. And we have not found any evidence that, that there has been an issue with, with that particular aircraft. So we have no reason to believe that given the similarities between the two types, uh, we have no reason to believe that that would come up as, as a case uh, here. So we don't think it's very likely, but that's what we're looking for. If, if somehow it was operator area, don't think it's, um, you know, that's a particularly likely scenario though. I think the focus will remain on Boeing and, and Spirit. At the end of the day, it's, it's Boeing's issue. It's Boeing's responsibility to ship out planes that are made to the highest quality standards. So we think it'll primarily stay with those two. All right, Matt, the last thing I want to ask you, we're coming into Q4 earnings season. You kind of took us through what your expectation for free cash flow generation, where that would put their cash position as of year end. Is there anything else in particular you're watching in terms of upcoming earnings, or do you think everything is going to be overshadowed by this ongoing investigation? For Boeing in particular, the investigation is going to be huge as we're always monitoring deliveries very, very closely. Those will be 
as important as ever, you know, looking ahead. So we look at those on a, on a daily basis. And it's, it's really our window into operations at Boeing. You know, how are things going? Do they have the people available to actually deliver the aircraft that are known to be without issues at this point. That's probably, you know, our day-to-day is, is, is even more focused on, on deliveries for them. Coming into the year, I would say for Boeing, um, in addition to the 737 issue, we're, we're looking for Boeing to, to show us evidence that the drag that has come from their defense unit is, is start to, starting to come off. So unfortunately, Boeing had aggressively priced a bunch of defense contracts. And as a result of that, uh, they have negative free cash flow at their defense unit, which you know is not an ideal situation. Most investors that are getting into a defense credit or a, an equity uh, that has exposure to uh, the defense uh, world are not expecting a negative free cash flow business. Turning that around and moving that to at least into a neutral cash flow position is a pretty important start of, part of the story that we'll be looking for uh, for first quarter earnings as well. You know, as I mentioned, we're expecting them to come out with somewhere around three to five billion free cash flow estimate, if not a little bit higher. That'll be closely watched as well. I am expecting them to give some sort of guidance just because they've they typically do that this time of year. And you know, the lack of that kind of guidance, you know, would would be would be somewhat disappointing and, and would indicate that things have gotten somewhat worse with these with these max issues more broadly uh, looking at other parts of the aerospace world we're just looking for continued evidence that the supply chain continues to improve when covid hit one of the unfortunate things that happened is there was a lot of layoffs and all these companies lost a, a lot of good people which affected their ability to to produce these aircraft and service them and so for the industry overall our expectation is that those things have gotten better but we'll be looking for continued evidence that that those things have gotten better and in fact you know airbus just announced their full 2023 deliveries today they were uh, at a record level and so the market share that they've been able to achieve is almost two thirds at this point. So they're, they're doing extremely well. So at least for the Airbus side of the supply chain within the commercial world, it appears that they are have had made significant progress post COVID here and are, are making good progress on continuing to improve their results. Awesome, Matt. This has been extremely helpful. I mean, first and foremost, thank God no one was injured in this and, and we'll certainly keep our clients updated as we learn more about the investigation, the potential impacts to Boeing. So Matt, just want to say thanks again for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Zach. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you all for tuning in. We will catch you next time. Credit sites disclaimer. All price references correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, or reproduced in whole or in part. Neither credit sites nor its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any information contained in this podcast. Credit sites is not providing investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, is not providing research or making any recommendations, nor is credit sites offering or soliciting any transaction with respect to the purchase or sale of any security. The receipt by this listener of this podcast is not the giving of advice by credit sites or its affiliates. Thank you.